Welcome to the Outbound Sales Podcast with your host, Jeff Swan. Each week, we're going to be talking to sellers, sales leaders, and company founders who are sharing their secrets to getting over 10 meetings booked per month per rep. Every episode is going to be packed full of tactical and practical tips you can use to fill your funnel today. So thank you and happy hunting. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Fill the Funnel Podcast with your host, Jeff Swan. Here with me today to talk about how to use video in prospecting is the great Colin Mitchell. Um, I was lucky enough to be on his pod a few months back, and we had a great conversation about sequences and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. Um, I really enjoy talking to Colin. I'm so happy to have you here, man. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Um, We're going to talk about video, something that I love talking about. So it should be interesting. Absolutely. Um, So with that said, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? So like what company you you work with, what role, what your role is and who you prospect to? Yeah. So uh, I'll keep it short and brief because I know we only have 18 minutes. So (laughs) um, yeah, I'm the co-founder and CRO over at SalesCast. And we prospect into VPs of marketing, uh, CMOs, sometimes founders of like, you know, smaller companies or organizations. Um, but I've been in sales for over 10 years, built my first company to 5 million in annual revenue in 26 months, all fueled by outbound sales, spent $0 on marketing. Wow. That's amazing. $0 on marketing, just outbound sales. So it's, it's interesting. I had a, a little semi-viral post uh, a couple days ago that uh, all about should AEs prospect. Okay. Yeah. And what's interesting is I got into this little heated, dis- semi-heated discussion with a couple yeah. people who believe that um, intrusive outbound uh, tactics are dead and they should go into the ether because you have a marketing problem if you do that. But um, yeah. I'm really inspired by hearing somebody like yourself say, I was able to get to 5 million with just outbound. So can, can yeah. you tell me about that? What's your opinion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the post. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think you and I have a, a very similar opinion on this, but, uh, it's funny because, and I'll answer your question here in a second, but, uh, I did a similar post of like, do you like making cold calls? And it had like, uh, it hit, I don't even, I think it was like over a thousand responses and there was people going in there. Like if you're having a cold call, then your marketing's not doing their job and all of this. And so, you know, there's people of that camp, but yeah, I mean, so we used the phones. We, we, we honestly barely used email. Like we literally just hit the phones. Um, I had some very good hires, uh, uh, I trained the team. I uh, had some people that had you know tons of experience in our industry. So my wife and I started that company in 2010, and we you know uh, hit the phones. That was it. That's what we did. So we would you know cold call people. Our reps would make hundreds of calls a day, um, and we sold a very transactional product. And we sold into K through 12 in government, and we kind of found a niche and stuck with it. And we had you know scripts and things that worked, um, and we did not have sequences. We didn't have anything fancy. We didn't use video. Like, you know, I was 10 plus years ago. We just, I knew how to do one thing and it was how to make cold calls and how to build relationships and how to close deals over the phone. And that's what we did. Well, I love that. You found your niche. So this is, this is one of the things I coach people on is that finding your niche, right? Like finding that one company, that prospect that really buys into what you're selling. So can you talk a little bit about how you found that niche? Yeah. So we, we sold, um, office equipment, supplies, hardware, printing consumables. We sold products that people could buy pretty much anywhere. And most people were starting to buy a lot of these products online through Amazon or CDW or all these different companies. But 
um, K through 12 schools and government were still, you know, needed a very different, uh, approach. Like they couldn't just go buy this stuff from anywhere. And, uh, so we just sort of stuck with people that needed a different level of service that we could provide. So they had a problem and we knew we could solve it. Um, and we went all in on it and we grew very quickly. And, you know, our first, our first office was our one bedroom apartment, uh, the living room of our one bedroom apartment. And then, you know, we'd get it. We got our first office, you know, they had like four of us in there. And then it got a little cramped. So we got another office. And that was like the theme uh, over that two year period where, you know, eventually we had, you know, probably almost 30 reps and uh, and it was a ton of fun. Wow, that does sound like a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's that typical like the garage to uh, the big big office, uh, except it was an apartment. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. But um, what I really like about what you just said there, though, is that um, you found a niche where people could easily buy on in, at Walmart at, at or sorry, Staples or Amazon. Yeah. So you can buy the physical product, but that's not just what they're buying, is it? There, there's there's other services that are required by like like this this type of company or organization that you sold to um, that where even if you're if you cost more, you're building more value and they want to buy from you rather than those retail organizations. Yeah, you got to find who you solve, you know, who you're the best fit for, right? Like who you know, it's not just like, are you, can you solve the problem or do you have what they need? Yes. But I mean, there's a lot of people that can fit into that camp. Right. And so how are you unique? How are you different? You know, they had very unique terms and conditions and things that they needed when they buy, bought these types of products. Um, and we knew that, and we knew how we could be different than, you know, the other, you know, tons of options that they had to get these things. That's amazing. So, um, sorry, I'm, I, as an entrepreneur myself, I just, I'm, I love these types of stories, but that's not the focus of why we're here. <laughs> Thank you for playing, Colin. Yeah. Um, uh, let, let's get back into the meeting. So when you're talking about outbound, um, how many meetings book, uh, do you book a month every month right now? Uh, I think, you know, but it's just me and I love outbound, right? So like I've done a lot of different things and there's been times in my career where I got away from like doing the outbound stuff and I just, it lights me up. Like I just got off of a LinkedIn live where we did an hour of cold calling. Um, and you know, I made cold calls for an hour on the regular and that stuff energizes me. I love doing it. Um, so I always stay close to it. So there's one other person on my team, Ed, uh, we are responsible for all of the filling, uh, you know, all of the outbound that we do, you know, f- uh, filling up pipeline. And so we tend, you know, we use different channels. Uh, we use LinkedIn, we use email, we use phone. Um, and we average probably somewhere around 30 to 40 meetings a month. Wow. That's, uh, that's no slouch, my friend. Clearly, you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, can you think of a time when you were booking less than 10 meetings a month? <sighs> yeah. I mean, when you go all in, I would say like these days, when you go all in on one channel and one channel only, you're going to have a hard time because different people are going to respond different ways on different channels. And you need to be smart about your prospecting, right? So, you know, when we were, you know, back to kind of that story, which we won't go too deep in the weeds there, right? We were using only the phone and that worked for a while until, you know, it didn't. Right. And so now we have, you know, different approaches and, and, and starts with the data, right? Like, are you getting data that's good? That's average. It's like all the other data out there. Um, having a good set of data is very helpful. So when we get our data, uh, we have a clear picture of how we should 
reach out to these individuals. Um, they're checked for like a social score of like how active they are on social. If they have a high social score, then we're going to put them into a sequence that has more social touches. If they have been, you know, phone verified, we're like, Hey, these are people where we have their direct dial. They're there. They're likely to pick up the phone. Then we might put them into a calling only sequence, or we might put them into a sequence that's heavy on calling, not as heavy on social. Um, Email is a bit of a mystery, um, you know, but we always have email touches in our sequences. Um, but, you know, a lot of times the email is really just to warm up the other channels. So I also like to use reference. Like if we're sending them a LinkedIn message and we've previously sent them an email, then we're referencing the touch point of that other channel in that touch point. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot, a lot of times I use uh, email as kind of like the um, uh, where I'm... Uh, directing everyone to because it's such a rich medium that you can put a lot more information, not necessarily a long email, but you can put, you know, links and visuals and all these different things in it. So it, it I find it helpful, like you said, to, to reference in your cold call that, Hey, I sent you an email with this particular asset, take a look and let me know what you think, that kind of thing. Um, so no, I, I definitely see what you're saying there about email is kind of like, um, it, it's a, it's a, it's an additional channel that helps make the other channels richer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and LinkedIn is a huge channel for us. So we get inbound because we're pretty active on the platform, but we're not talking inbound. So, uh, but we use LinkedIn, you know, and we do a lot of outbound on LinkedIn and we've tested a lot of different things. Um, and the key is we've all seen the crappy messages that people send on LinkedIn. As soon as your message is not short and sweet to the point, it's getting ignored probably, you know, hundred percent of the time, 99% of the time. Right. So immediately, if it looks like too much work to read what you sent, what, what you sent, they're not going to read it. They're going to delete it. They're probably even going to remove you as a connection because they're just like, this person is clearly just trying to pitch me and I'm not interested, even though I don't even know what it is. Right. Um, and so we ran a little bit of an experiment when Vidyard launched their LinkedIn integration, right? Cause there's a lot of people that say never send video on the first touch point. And, uh, the thing is, is this is, this is, there's too many variables to say, never use video on the first touch. Like it really depends on how strong your profile is, who you're reaching out to, how you're reaching out, what you're saying, all of these different things. And there's no silver, silver bullet answer. Like you just need to test an experiment to find what works best for you, for your company, what you do your niche, the problem you're solving, the people you're reaching out to. There's some general best practices. Um, so when we ran that experiment, we did it for eight weeks. And for the first four weeks, we sent a personalized, uh, we sent a personalized connection request, right? Which is, which everybody says you have to do that. Right. And so what happened is we, we got like 65% of the people accepted Okay. So we got more people to accept the connection request. Um, but we booked far less meetings because the first touch wasn't video. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I, I'm, I'm definitely one of the people that say don't use video on the first touch, but yeah. I'm referring to email. Okay. All right. So, and, and there's, there's technical reasons for that. 
Yeah. From spam complaints, spam yeah. scoring systems, how emails actually take in your uh, your your message and how they score things like rich media, like uh, images, video, that kind of stuff, even links. Right. Yeah. So when we're talking about the first touch, when somebody like myself is talking about the first touch, we're talking email, send a text based one first, maybe doesn't have any tracking or links just so that for this particular message, um, you, you're warming up the inbox and then the next message, you can put something more rich into it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's email. Very yeah. different than social though. Right. Yeah. yeah. Social doesn't have that. So yeah. have at her. And, and so I'm going to say this for the first time on fill the funnel. I'm with you hundred percent Colin that if you can use LinkedIn as your first touch, use video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here, so here's what's interesting. Here's what happened. Right. So we, um, and I don't remember the exact numbers. I probably should have been a little more prepared, but I know this, I know that when we sent um, a personalized message on the connection request. So it was text, you know, something, uh, short and sweet, you know, like two sentences max, right? Um, 65%. And this is highly depends on like, you need to have a strong profile because people are checking you out before they just click accept in most cases. Uh, so optimized profile is recommended here. Uh, 65% said yes and connected. And then the second touch, we sent a video, a 30 second video, inviting them to have a conversation, uh, promising them that it wasn't going to be a sales pitch and we were going to provide something of value that they might be interested in, right? And so in that scenario, um, about, uh, I think it was roughly like 30, 30% or so, uh, maybe even lower, I think it was about 20%, 25% uh, we booked a meeting with, okay? And we were maxing out our connections. So we were sending 100 connections per week, right? It's right, it right after LinkedIn changed that, you can only send 100 a week. Shortly after that, Vidyard rolled out this integration. And so we ran this experiment. And then so the ne- we did that for four weeks and we kept track of all the data. The next week, I mean, the, the after the four weeks, for the for the following four weeks, we sent connections, same types of people, same same persona. Uh, we sent connection requests, and within those connection requests, we did not send any message, no personalization, nothing. Which everybody says never do that, right? Um, and we had a slightly lower acceptance on the connections, fifty five percent, right? So ten percent less actually accepted the connection because there was no personalized message in there, which is fine. Uh, and then the first touch point for the ones that did, we sent them a video, same video, same format that we sent as the second touch in the other, uh, four week experiment. And we booked more than twice as many meetings. We were literally booking three to five meetings per day doing that. Wow. Um, no, that is, that is amazing. I love that you're using data, Colin, because, um, again, I'm a really strong believer in continuous optimization and I advise people to run what I call optimization sprints, which is literally what you just did. Four weeks, four week test, note on the first video on the second, and that got you 20% booked, right? Yeah. Second cohort. So second four weeks, no note video on the first touch, 40% booked. Yeah. I love data. <laughs> and thank you for coming. You, you're yeah. prepared, Colin. Thank you for coming yeah, here yeah. with data because that that is exactly the type of thing I do. Um, again, I'm a proponent of no note on the LinkedIn connection. Yeah. Um, only because it's kind of like when I was early on in sales and we were selling a, an HR solution. And my advisor told me basically never sell to HR. They, can on, they can't say yes and they can only say no. 
Mm. So um, it's the same thing with the note I find is that it rarely ever gets people to want to connect with you and usually triggers them not to. Yeah. I, I used to be of the other camp where I thought you always send a, and, and, and I'm, I love to be proved wrong, right? Like that's the thing. If you're in sales and you're trying to book more meetings, like you got to test new things all of the time. You got to have an open mind. The, the second you think like never do this, always do that. You're in trouble because you're going to go into every new sequence, every new batch of leads uh, with some blinders on. And so you got to be open to testing new things, tweaking things and changing things till you start to get a desirable result. And sometimes that works for so long and then it stops and maybe you're reaching into a different, uh, you know, different market, different niche, different title. And then some different things might work better than previously. Um, so you're constantly building knowledge of things are working, testing and experiment with new approaches. Um, uh, and so that when I ran, I was actually surprised that because I was like, okay, we got less connection acceptance, but we booked twice as many meetings. And so, um, it, it was a fun experiment to run. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's really changed how we have, pro- have approached our strategy on outbound on LinkedIn significantly. That's, that's amazing. And, um, so we have just a, a really short time. Um, but I'm, if I'm going to con- uh, confirm with you, your secret to successful outbound is always be testing. hundred percent. Love it. So I'm going to close off with, um, what do you do to make your job fun? What do you do to make prospecting fun? You know, it, it, you got to go into it with the right mindset. You know, the goal is to have as many conversations with people, right. To have, to, to find out who's interested. Um, and, and go into it with an open mind and just have fun with it. Like nobody likes getting rejection. It sucks, but it's part of the job. So are you going to let it affect you in a negative way or are you just going to have fun with it and keep moving forward? Oh, I love it, Colin. Thank you so much. Um, so for all our listeners out there, um, to wrap up the conversation, Colin has done amazing things with outbound only. And the times where he was booking less than 10 meetings a month was when he was focusing on one channel and one channel only. There are several reasons discussed. So listen back for the rest of the show to, to hear why. But um, now how he books meetings is basically the LinkedIn is crushing it for him. Uh, and he's getting with the no note video on the second touch and booking 40% meetings from his outreach effort. So thank you so much for joining today, Colin. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for the Outbound Sales Podcast. We hope you learned something new that you can use today to start filling your funnel and leveling up your outbound sales game. If you're still looking for more support and guidance on how to get to 10 meetings or more booked a month, then go to outboundsos.com. There's something for everybody. Thanks and happy hunting.